You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozie. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Drive, where we take a look at what it means to have an uncommon drive towards success. My name is Chad Ozie, and I am here with Jeff Cross. Jeff, how are you doing? Um, you know me. I'm in good spirits because we're in November, and that means we are closer to Christmas, Chad. Yes. Jeff Jeff is being so uh, – he's underplaying this. When Jeff says he's in November, he doesn't mean we're close to Christmas. He means that we have fully embraced Christmas season. He's already watched 32 Christmas movies, Yep. yep. and uh, he is good to go. Just say so you no, know, 51 more sleep till Christmas. So. That's so crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Jeff, we're at that point uh, where uh, where people are busy uh, on the court, lots of things going on. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit what, what's been happening with, with you on the court the last week or so? Yeah, it's been happening. I mean, the wheels are turning. We, we spent, we got our test on our test, actually our deadline for our test for NCAA test was um, at the beginning of the month, so November 1st. And then... Uh, I started uh, a handful of scrimmages. Once we did, got got in the locker room, it just felt like okay. Now we're kind of getting back into the swing of things, and you know, got to actually run four periods or four quarters instead of instead of running two, watching an hour's worth of set plays. So it's really feeling good. You know, you always wonder, at least I do how your body's going to react every year. As you get a little older, how's your body going to react? And so far, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, I'm in a real similar spot, been been up and down the court quite a bit, had the opportunity to work not only some, some scrimmages, but practices, had my last 
fall baseball game last week, uh, and so now have finally put my baseball gear away uh, for the off season and just focusing on basketball now. Uh, and, you know, and we've heard from uh, from several of you out there. We've gotten some great texts, um, emails, phone calls uh, from some of you that were finishing up fall baseball season uh, and listening to our podcast. People that are gearing up for college basketball or. Uh, high school, junior high basketball. We've had some uh, some football officials that have been listening that are now Good. moving into uh, high school playoffs. Uh, and uh, and we want you to know, we really appreciate you taking time out of what we know is an incredibly busy schedule for each and every one of you uh, to listen to some of the content that we've put out on the Uncommon Drive podcast. Uh, and some of you have been really gracious as you've talked to us and you've given us ideas. Um, you've shared with us things that you think would be helpful uh, as we share. We want you to know we take those really seriously. In fact, if you'd ever like to communicate with us directly, one of the easiest ways to do that is uh, through email. If you go to Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com, uh, those emails go directly to both Jeff and I, and we get the opportunity to, uh, to look at uh, how you might communicate with us there. Uh, another, thing, another thing that you can do uh, that a few of you have done is to rate our podcast. And I don't care if you listen on Amazon, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's really easy, especially on Apple. You go to the library page, click on our podcast, scroll down near the bottom. You'll see uh, five outlines of stars. If you want to be really kind to us, click on that last star, the fifth one, to five, give us a five-star five. rating. Uh, and then when you're done with that... Uh, a thing that you can do that really helps take it to the next level is to leave us a review uh, and, and be honest about it. You know, if, if there's things about it that are that are helpful, uh, whenever you fill out those reviews, the logarithms that uh, algorithms, excuse me, that are, that are used online uh, help people find us through some of the reviews that are that are listed there. And so we would appreciate you doing that for us as we attempt to uh, be uncommon in the way that we go about what we do as well. Yeah. You know, I have a question before you go any further. Sure. Um, tell me about, were you done doing your thing? Were you done? Did you have more? Did you? Want oh, no, more? I'm all good, man. Okay. <laughs> tell me about your last baseball game, your last fall baseball game. And I don't, I'm having a hard time finding a word, but I want to use the word emotion. What yeah. was the emotion like? of packing it away until the spring. You know, for me, it's always interesting because it's a little different because I really never have an off season. Sure. Um, You know, people that work one sport or or even a a couple sports that are at at varying points of the year, um, they have, you know, a a month or two of downtime. Uh, My basketball season kicked off literally two and a half, three weeks ago now uh, for my first practice that I hit the floor on. Um, my, my baseball season just ended. Um, so that tells you there's, there's overlap between baseball ending and, uh, base, uh, baseball ending and basketball beginning. Uh, if I am fortunate, uh, this year, my basketball season will extend into March. Um, mm-hmm. right now I have games scheduled almost to the very last day of February and, and hopefully it'll extend into March with postseason. and my baseball season begins in February. So I work college baseball February through, uh, the end of the season, hopefully some postseason there as well. And by the time that's happened, I've already started my independent minor league baseball. 
that goes through the summer until fall college baseball picks up. And so I just really don't have that offseason. But there is something um, both bittersweet and exciting about putting the gear away. Right. You know, um, for for one, for me, it's a chance to look back on kind of the accomplishment of the year. Uh, yeah. I had some some big steps forward for me in baseball this last year. Some really great opportunities that I had in uh, in the minor league baseball that I worked this year. Got to work with just some phenomenal partners that were really helpful in uh, in helping me take some next steps. And so, uh, really enjoyed that opportunity. Got to refine some things during the fall. Um, and so, uh, we just talked about all the basketball assignments and everything that came out. Baseball assignments will come out in about a month okay. um, or maybe a little bit sooner than that. And so there's that anticipation sure. of what might come and we don't know, uh, but you always hope And baseball is even a little different than basketball. We say in basketball during the middle of the season, you never know what you're going to get. That really is is the case in baseball because of of rainouts. Oh, and so sure, if, you know, sure. I'm, I may not be scheduled to work a big game. I, I may have a, you know, even say a, a lower level weekend that that I'm doing, and all of a sudden we get rain just kill us on Saturday, Sunday, and now there's a big D1 series that is now playing on Monday, Tuesday, and the guys that flew in from California to work those games can't can't stay. And now they got to get the local yokel to come work it, and I'm more than willing. You <laughs> Hello, know? my name so is you, local yoko. <laughs> you never know in in baseball how it's going to work, uh, but so there's that there's that anticipation and and looking forward to what's going to be. Um, but yeah, you also you also never want to take it for granted um, in that I put that gear away, and who knows what's going to happen with my winner. Um, right. We just had you know that conversation last week with with Angie. And uh, my wife, who uh, has done uh, neuro rehab for a long time before she switched over to her current specialty, when she saw Angie's injury last year, her she she just said she'll never referee again. Sure, I mean that was that was her statement. She mm-hmm. will never step on a basketball court and referee again. And thankfully that was not the case. Um, You know, awesome things have happened and I'm sure Angie being an occupational therapist helped with that because she knew the right way to go about things and and listen to her physical therapists when they were telling her what to do. But, um, you know, something can happen to any one of us any day that I may never pick that baseball bag up again. Mm -hmm. You know, I could tear something up in the middle of my basketball season uh, there are things that could could happen there, and so uh, I, when I put it away, there's that bittersweet, uh, but yet there's also that there's that accomplishment. You know, man, I I finished another baseball season, and for me, a baseball season's a long season. You yeah. know, it's eight nine months. Right, long time, hot, yes. right, rainy, hot, miserable, cold, cold, everything in between. Yeah, yeah. That's one great thing about basketball. It's always seventy two and dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every game yep. I work, it's pretty great. Yeah, the clock always runs out. That's yeah, exactly that's right. right. There are no extra innings uh, uh, in basketball. Yeah. So, uh, so no, it's it, it's a great thought though that. Um, as, as one comes to a close, the next one's kicking off that uh, gotta, both times. It's got to be a good feeling. So I want to be clear here just so everyone understands. Cause I know we do talk a lot of basketball and it is basketball season, but there are a lot of baseball umpires, like you said, that are listening. So when you get your schedule, you just don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's base. You're probably actually, you know, for lack of better terms, you're putting your schedule down in pencil. Yep. Because there's. Probably an above average chance that something will change 
mm-hmm. throughout the week. Maybe Absolutely. once you get into that week, you may know you're going to be a little bit more locked in, but it, anything could happen seven days prior. Absolutely. Anything can happen seven minutes prior. Wow. You know, that's, that's crazy. I remember one thing, uh, this was two seasons ago. I was scheduled to, to work a game at, uh, it was a doubleheader, uh, 10 or 11 o'clock start, uh, on the South side of Chicago. And, uh, we get to the, to the site and it just starts pouring. I mean, we're already geared up. I was supposed to work the plate for the first game, got all my gear on everything and as we're walking out to the field, it is just, it just pours. And it mm. came out of nowhere. It had mm. been big, bright, sunny, whatever, right? <laughs> and uh, I got a call from the assigner 30 minutes later. Uh, I was back at things, said, I need you to drive to St. Louis. It's beautiful and sunny, and there's a 5.30 start tonight. You're on the game. Wow. You know, so, I mean, you talk about turn and burn. Here yeah. we go. Uh, <laughs> and going to make it happen. But But that's the kind of stuff that can happen. You know, in those outdoor sports, you know, soccer officials deal with that. Football sure. officials, you know, yeah. with with lightning issues or things. Uh, obviously, our softball officials are real similar to what happens in baseball. So, uh, it's it's always part of what goes on. And you know, that's one of those times where I, I got a call from a coordinator, got a call from an assigner, and uh, it so wasn't a bad call. When the know? call when the call comes, right? That's what right. happens? Our heart stops for a half a second. What do we do? What did I mess up? Or is this going to be a good call, right? Yeah, which which leads us perfectly into kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, which is this idea that um, we have to have relationships with our coordinators, and most of us that work college sports or, or high school sports, even we work for multiple assigners, multiple yeah. coordinators. Uh, there are very few of us that get the privilege of just working for one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff, I know this is something that's really important to you. How do we begin to cultivate positive relationships with our coordinators and assigners? Yeah. You know, we were talking about this really just kind of you know, prepping for the podcast. And I said three things and they've skipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so shocked, Jeff. I know. But so I do shocked. know one is, is we need to have repetition. We need to be experiencing those reps with our coordinators um, more times than not. Um, the, the philosophy I like to go with is because the questions come to me all the time. Hey, should I call the coordinator on this issue? Should I text the coordinator on this issue or should I just send them an email? Here's my analogy here. Cause I I'll use it in a, in a different context in a second here. So when we talk about this all the time in camps, if you're having a conversation in a locker room and say, hey, do we need to notify our coordinator about this? And my answer is, if you're asking if you should, then you should. Then mm-hmm. you do have to. Don't talk yourself out of it. You're better off you know, leaning towards the, the air side of, I'll over-communicate this. So my analogy is, if you're asking yourself, should you email because... Email would be the, okay, nothing, saying nothing would be the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Email would be the third from the bottom, text, call. So my thought process is, if you're thinking between email and text, should I email or should I text? You should just text because that's the higher one. Gotcha. If you're asking yourself, should I text or should I call? You should just call because that's the higher one. You'd never want to undershoot these chances to communicate. And when I say repetition, 
you know, I think the important thing about that repetition is we have to get used to speaking to those people in authority, for lack of better terms. Um, there's many people in our school that are, I don't want to say afraid, but they get nervous when the principal comes around because they don't communicate with this person on a daily basis. The principal, the coordinator, they're all human beings. Mm-hmm. They, they all have issues just like everyone else's. You just hope you're not on the business end of one of them. That's sure. all. And I think the best way we can build that relationship is say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to call. Even though I probably could do this in a text, but I'm teetering, so I'm just going to call just to kind of get used to these communications. Because if we really, really focus on on that communication skill over time, that conversation becomes a lot easier. And when that really difficult situation shows up, um, whatever, you've kicked a rule with 30 seconds to go and the wrong team won the game. When that happens, not that you're not going to be in trouble, but you're you're not as short of short of breath. You're not as just, you know, anxious from making the phone call because you've built a conversation rapport up with this person, whoever that is. That way, it's just, I think you have a little bit more composure when you do that. Absolutely. You know, and I think this is, uh, this is something that's incredibly important when we're talking about um, crisis moments. Okay. So uh, I was on a Zoom call last night uh, with one of the conferences that I work basketball for. The coordinators were sharing and their statement was, we want to get a call from you before we get a call from a coach. For the most part, that works really well in basketball. Uh, in basketball, we run off the court and we go to the locker room. Those coaches uh, are stuck talking to their players for at least 10 minutes, you know, post game. Right. And so if we go directly to the locker room, and we make that phone call, you know, the coach is upset because we handed out three technical fouls that night. And the last one was to her, or to him. Um, you know, most of our coordinators would say, you give a technical foul directly to a head coach. I need a phone call. Right. So boom, you run to the locker room, you make that phone call. Uh, baseball. We don't always get that luxury uh, because those coaches have phones in the dugout. Sure. You know, um, I'm, I'm a coordinator for college baseball. I have gotten a phone call from a coach during the third inning. There you go. Um, so it's really hard for that umpire to have called me because my <laughs> umpires know they're not supposed to carry a, a phone out on the field with them, right? True. Yeah. Uh, now, as a coordinator, um, at first I wouldn't pay attention. I just assumed that coach had a, a game later in the day trying to tell me they're going to switch something, you know, whatever. And so <laughs> Head coach called me. He's like, you're not going to believe what's going on. I said, you're absolutely right. I'm not. Sorry. I got to hit a ball field. Give me a call later. Yeah. <laughs> and I was gone and yeah. I was off and he didn't get the opportunity to tell me anything. And then I immediately texted my umpires knowing that they weren't going to get it till they got off the field going, hey, call me right away. Right. You know, so we can we can deal with this and talk about it. Uh, but most of the time, if, if there's a crisis moment, it's a phone call and it needs to be immediate. Yep. Now, speaking, though, as a coordinator, you know, if if I've got 20 games going on in one day, um, I, I can't take 20 phone calls. Right. You know, and what 
you might consider to be a crisis may not be what I consider a crisis, mm-hmm. you know, as, as out of the 20, it's not necessarily a crisis, right? That's right. You know, just cause it was a really tough game doesn't mean it was a crisis. Sure. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not willing to talk to you about it and walk through it and all, but that might be one of those moments where you're talking about I me mean, shoot, shoot your coordinator a text. Hey man, it was a really rough game at blank today. Sure. Uh, if you get the opportunity, I'd love the chance to talk with you about it. Mm. Now what it does is it gives that coordinator the opportunity to respond at a time that's more convenient because most games get played generally at the same time. Sure. You know, most of our basketball games are tipping off at five, five thirty to seven o'clock at night, somewhere sure. in there. Uh, unless it's a Saturday, Saturday we're tipping, you know, early afternoon most of the time. Right. Um, so those kinds of things, if, if we're calling right after we're calling right when other people that may have legitimate crisis moments, uh, are dealing with that, but let's talk about maybe what some of those crisis things are, Jeff, you know, for you, what, what are three or four biggies where you say, if this happens in my game, I need to make a call right now. Yeah. The biggest one is where something besides judgment you know, if we have a, we've made a ruling in some way, shape, or form, even if it is judgment, that has caused controversy towards the end of the game, foul call, no foul call, violation, whatever that may be, clock messed up, whatever that is, um, those are I think those are automatic calls right away. Obviously, if you have any kind of uh, fights. Mm-hmm. or you know clearing of the benches in baseball um, anything like that that you want to make sure if you if you have a coat that's been ejected you, you want to make sure that you get those those phone calls out right away um, those are the real big ones um, so we'll make sure that I've heard those so if if there's something involving judgment that directly impacts the end of the game so we've got right. heightened mm-hmm. You know, heightened sensitivity at that moment. Yeah. We want to make that call. If we've got something that is going to disqualify or severely penalize a head coach, want to make sure that we've dealt with that. If we have something that is about a rules misapplication, yep, that one's big, 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 big. That we get out in front of that one. I, I think th- there's a twofold to that, right? It is really big. But it's not near as big if it's a forty-point ball game. Sure, it's definitely big if it you know that could have swung either way. You know, if it's deciding the game, if we misapplied a rule in the first quarter, that baby still applies. Yep, it still does. So yeah, those are big things. Um, I would also, I would also say that just because you think it's you've made it through the game. You know, one of the things that I ask my partners a lot of times when we go into locker room, if if it's close, right? If uh, when I say close, we'll just say within 10. Okay. Is there anything I need to contact the coordinator about? Am I missing anything? Hopefully someone, if not you, will remember, "Oh yeah, remember that play where we gave it the possession arrow to White when it should have been the blue?" You know, we don't want that baby to pop up again. Mm-hmm. In a ten point ball game, so you know, let's get in front of that right away, as you say. But I guess my point is, you do not want to rely on just you making those decisions. It's a it's a crew of three or two or whoever, mm-hmm. right? It's a crew that we all need to help make this decision. And like I alluded to earlier, if one person is saying you need to contact the coordinator, then you do. Okay. That's all there is to it. 
I don't care if you're the crew chief and you say, no, we don't have to worry about it. But if you have somebody on your crew that believes you need to contact them, then you do. That's all there is to it. Um, I would also like to add, when we make this phone call, um, when we make this phone call, there's it's it's almost like a 911 call. When Patty, um, you know, Patty Roderick is my coordinator, but when any coordinator answers, right, they're like, hey, hello, right? 911, they're like, 911, what's your emergency, right? Well, hey, we got to get that. We got to get the logistics out of the way. Hey, it's Jeff. I was working with Chad and Greg, and we were at Illinois, and they were playing Purdue. We got to get all that stuff out of the way because mm-hmm. we don't know. They might be just writing some things down so they can figure out what's happening, right? And then we can say that now we can get to the issues, right? Because sure. you don't want to say, hey, I just got done working a game in Illinois, gave out a technical foul, they end up losing by two. The next question is going to be, well, who gave out a technical foul? Well, we did. Well, who's we? Mm-hmm. Greg. Oh, what time of the game was it? You know, all those things. When we can get those things squared away first, it'll help that conversation. And it kind of gives you some you know, some breathing time, if, if for lack of better terms. Absolutely. So, you know, when we have those those crisis moments that we call, you know, my suggestion and, and the ways that I've seen it done best by crew chiefs is when that call is done publicly in front of the crew yeah. on speakerphone. Yep. And here's the reason why. Um, you, you've got a brand new official and let's just say that official is the one that that biffed it up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Sure. The, the one thing that they are mega worried about is that they're going to get thrown under the bus. This is going to end their career. This is going to whatever. And so the moment that you pull out that phone and you put it on speaker and it's out there for everybody. Now, there's no nobody wondering what was said. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, second guessing, you know. Hey, this is it. These are the facts. This is what we did. We'll deal with it. Now, if, if your coordinator's got more questions or whatever, and, and you're the crew chief and you're the one making that call, they're going to call you later. Sure. They're going to call you on the way home. Hey, mm-hmm. tell me tell me background of this. Let me know what's going on. But that is a, a great way to still promote crewness. Yeah. You know, in those moments. And you know what else it teaches? It teaches that young official, oh, this is how the conversation is supposed to go. I like that. They've if if they're really true and truly being a student of the game, they're going to learn how their crew chief just communicated, and this is how the coordinator is going to communicate back with them. Yeah. When they hear those things, like okay, so now when I become a crew chief in three years, I can handle it this way. I, I've learned some ins and outs, right? What it may not be exactly cookie cutter mm-hmm. way of doing it, but you're going to get some real good pillars out of that. Yeah. Uh, again, I think the the more that is done in the open, sure. the better. I, mm-hmm. I just think it makes us better all the way around. Now, there are also some ways that we can negatively communicate with our coordinators, yeah. right? I mean, there are lots of mistakes that we make. Everybody has, uh, e- e- not everybody, many of us have made a mistake with our calendars, right? Mm-hmm. And we've double booked a date. And now we've got to call or, you know, something came up at the last minute. And now there's, you know, it's not a crisis for the coordinator. It's a crisis for us. Right. You know, we forgot our anniversary and, oh my gosh, I'm working a game there. And I realize it's coming up in two weeks and, you know, um, whatever those things might be. How do you go about having some of those 
difficult conversations with a coordinator when really the only person to blame is yourself. Yep. And, and that is, there's, again, there's different scenarios. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about when the game time came out in September and you forgot to close out that date and then you get a date that, you know, doesn't come in effect till January or February, that's a pretty easy email sure. or a text. Totally messed up, supposed to close it out. Yes, they're going to be mad, all those things. But now we're talking two weeks prior. Yes, we got to pick up the phone call. And as I've said many, many times, you can never go wrong with honesty. You can never do it. You can, it you'll never make a mistake by doing that. It may hurt mm-hmm. and it may sting a little bit. And you may not like the recourse, but the uh, honesty is what's going to get you through that moment. And just be honest. Uh, I think those are key things that if you don't, if you take those into your conversations and, or if you leave them out, you're going to see the difference between a 10 conversation and a one conversation, 10 being the best. Like that, that actually went pretty good. And sometimes it's just a matter of being honest or, you know, you start studying your way through what I did because you're so nervous. Well, that'll go back to my, what I said earlier. The more we communicate with our coordinators or our people of authority, the easier it is. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the process. If I get pulled over by a cop, which is very seldom, I get nervous mm-hmm. because I don't deal with cops very often. Not that I want to deal with cops, but I also know at the end of the spectrum is I can never go wrong with honesty. Mm-hmm. So if I use those two s- simple principles, I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to put on, um, I'm going to take off my official hat for a second and I'm going to put on my coordinator hat. All right. Um, both, I, I, I get the opportunity to assign some junior college basketball. I also assign, um, college baseball and in both those sports just this year, I have had communications from individual umpires or officials repeatedly. Hey, I'd really like to work your league. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm open on all these dates. Hey, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Hey, I'll do this. And sometimes six, seven, eight, nine communications. And I'll, you know, and on the first one, they send something to, hey, appreciate that information. Have a great off season. You know, that'll be my response. Um, after a while, I just stop responding mm-hmm. to them, you know. And again, that's not me attempting to be rude or anything like that. It's just the truth that your coordinators are not making their decisions about what games to give you or not give you based on how many times you call, text, or email them. Truth. They are not (laughs) doing it. I'm just telling you. Yep. They've primarily made their decisions long before that stuff happens. Yep. And we've talked about it before. Some of the reasons why they are hiring you or not hiring you has to do on your ability level. Mm -hmm. Some of it has to do with how you look when you step on the field or the court. Some of it has to do with how far you have to drive. Yep. Some of it has to do with stuff that you will never understand ever, period. I'm a coordinator, and I still understand it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there, there are times when things just happen that way. And so if you are communicating in those kinds of ways with your coordinators, I'm just telling you right now that over the long term, that is not positive communication. But I think there does need to be communication that happens with coordinators outside of those crisis moments that you were talking about, Jeff, 
to help develop rapport and relationship. Yeah. And I think the best possible places for you to do that is at camps and clinics. Yeah. You know, when you go to a camp, don't go to somebody's camp and not introduce yourself. Right. I had this. I was I was at a camp. I was teaching at a camp uh, this summer, and I got a, just a couple minutes um, during one of the introductory sessions, and I said, hey, guys, when we are evaluating you on your field, make sure you come up to us, you introduce yourself so that we can put a name with a face so that when we're filling out evaluations, when we're doing all that, we're making that connection with you. I will tell you that the entire time I was at that camp, less than 50% of the people attending that camp actually did that mm -hmm. when I was on their field. And so there were some people that I saw, I'm like, man, you know, they were okay. And I might, I might jot their name down, but now when I go back later, I don't have the same recall with them because they didn't take a moment just to connect. Well, and it's a simple instruction. Sure. As a coordinator, I'm not even a coordinator, and it, but that's a simple instruction, and you can't follow the simple instruction. So how are you going to do when I've got a list, you know, 15 deep of instructions, and you can't? How am I going to know you're going to follow all, all those 15? That's that's unfortunate. It Absolutely really is. It is. I would also say this: don't go away. Don't just go away. I see so many people in and out every year. Go to a camp. They work their game at 10 o'clock in the morning. They get their evaluation at 11.30, and you don't see them again until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They're gone, whatever, at the hotel, they're sitting in the air condition, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to be in every little huddle of officials and, and clinicians, but you've got to be visible. Sure. You've got to be visible. So at minimum, if you see, well, why is this group so big? Let me at least go listen you don't got to be front and center, eyeball to eyeball with a clinician. You just got to be within ear sight so you can take in that knowledge. Absolutely. And then those camps and clinics also give the perfect opportunity to have relaxed, normal, right. human mm -hmm. contact. Yeah. You know, most most camps and clinics have some sort of, of social or, or gathering time where you can just sit and, and be a person. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not that, it's during that opening time when everybody's greeting and, hey, how you doing? And, and those kinds of things are important because now if there is that crisis moment later where I have to communicate, that's not the first communication I've had with that coordinator this year. Right. You know, a funny story about, you know, we're trying to talk, talk about making an impact or, you know, just being memorable or, you know, making that connection. I'll never forget. I was at a camp, basketball camp, and sometimes in these camps, you got a group of, let's just say 40 people. And those, you know, say, hey, could you stand up, say your name and where you're from? You know, Jeff Cross, Rome Park, Illinois, right? That's kind of how it went through the 40. And the person I'm about to mention listens to this podcast all the time. So when I tell the story, they're going to know exactly I'm talking about them. <laughs> this person um, had just moved from whatever town to a different town. And I'm going to do it just like they did it. They stood up. I'm, I'm going to say their name. It was her. Her name is Katie Reese. She okay. stood up. She goes, my name's Katie Reese, and I'm from Vegas, baby. <laughs> she did like that, like the commercial. And everyone <laughs> laughed, and she made such a great impact on that day. So 
I'm not saying you got to, you know, don't put clown shoes on and a red nose, but at minimum, you know, it's this isn't a whole hum scenario. This is a very relaxed situation, and I think I, she made a lot of points with me that day. Anyway, sure, it, you know, just reminding that you're human. Mm, truth, yeah. You know, I yep. mean, again, and we've talked about this, and and some people may think that that's a little bit of a of an overkill or whatever. But when when you're going into war with somebody. You know, and I'm not trying to equate what we do in officiating to what people do when they're actually putting their life on the line. That's sure. not, but but there are moments where it feels like we're going to war when like, we're in the midst of a big time game. We're right? not going to come out of this alive. That's right. right. <laughs> That's how it feels like. It may yeah. not be reality, but right. it's what it feels like. And when you go in, you want to go in with people that you know are human, yep. that you know have emotions, that yep. you know are going to, you know, walk through that with you. And and even in those moments, and that person that's sitting next to you at that camper clinic might be your coordinator next year. Yeah. The guys that I was on the call with last night, the guys that are the coordinators in that particular league that I was talking about last year, I worked games with, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they were, they were working and this is their first year as coordinators of a new league. And so developing those relationships, you know, you mentioned Patty a while ago. There are a lot of people that worked on the court with Patty long before she started assigning basketball games. And so you never know who you're going to be with. That if you're developing those relationships now, it's going to pay dividends in the future. And it's not paying dividends. Well, I'm going to get extra games because I was friends with somebody. That's not what that means. But it means that when you do have to have those crisis moment conversations, there's relationship, there's background that's that's built into place. There. Yeah, and you know the body of work helps with those with those relationships, and you can't form a body of work unless you're communicating with your coordinators or you know supervisors, whether it be in the workplace or in officiating, over the years. Mm-hmm. I, I hear people say it all the time. I don't want to have to call the boss all year. That's I think that's a mistake. Not not that we're looking for bad things to happen in our game. But to say I don't want to speak to the boss all year, well, if I do that for 15 years in a row, I'm not going to be any more elevated because that boss, whoever that is, whether it's my supervisor of officials or the principal of my school, they're not going to want to rehire me. They don't know anything more about me after 15 years. How come we're not elevating? Well, because... Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard from you in 15 years. So I think they're, they're making a mistake like that. I know they're probably not speaking... As to say, I never want to speak to them. I think I'm sure they're referring to, I never want to have a bad game to not have to worry about that. But as you said, if we're human, a bad game's coming your way. (laughs) It's coming your way. And you're going to have to make that phone call. Absolutely. And as we kind of draw us to a a close today, I want want to share kind of one little final thought on this. Um, I, I love the opportunity to get a call from a coordinator. Because what I find is that most of the time when a coordinator calls me, they're calling to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Rarely are they calling just to tell me something. Most Because they're going to do that. They're going to send that in a text. They're yeah. going to send that in a bulletin, whatever, the right? Memo. Memo's been sent. There. But if, if they're calling me, they're calling to ask a question. When I call umpires during the season, I'm, I'm asking a question. Can you switch from this venue to that venue? Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I know you had this coach last week tell me a little bit about what it was like to work with them because i'm trying to figure out who i'm going to put with that coach later or whatever right so i'm I'm asking those questions 
And when a coordinator calls me, what happens is they're giving me the opportunity to say yes. Mm-hmm. Right? They're mm-hmm. giving me that opportunity. Now, I don't always have to take that opportunity, but they're giving me the opportunity to say yes. I had a coordinator call me a few years ago. Um, Chad, I have this game. I know it's way too far away for you. But is there is there any chance you'd go work that baseball game? And it was a ridiculously long drive. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He gave me the opportunity to say yes, and I said yes. Because of that, not only did I get the opportunity, but I worked with a crew chief that really liked what I did. That crew chief responded back to that coordinator, and I got some other opportunities because I had the chance to say yes. Yep. I got a call just this week. I, I told yeah. Jeff about it earlier. I got a call, mm-hmm. and the person's like, can you? And I said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, And I love the opportunity to tell my coordinators yes. And I have a feeling, since I'm, I wear that dual role, <laughs> right, yeah, as right, official right. and coordinator, I know coordinators like officials that say yes. They love them. They love officials that say yes. It's, it's such an understatement. Mm-hmm. Love's not a strong enough word. You know, they cherish them. They, they, officials that say yes more than say no, or, you know, they just never have any issues with them taking games, they're, they're just going to get pushed to the top of the list. I don't care. If it's the ten games that I you know used to have at a, at a community college, to seventy five games at a Division one level, they want to know when they assign it that you're going to say yes. That the odds are you're going to say yes because they're doing that in an assumption. When they send out a game, they're assuming that you're going to say yes. Yep. The last thing they're thinking about is you're going to say no. And then when you do say no, all of a sudden it's it's just a, some kind of switch goes on in their brain. And they may not make an actual physical list on paper, but I'm telling you, there's a mental list that's being made that you may, no one may ever see it, mm-hmm. but it's being made. Absolutely. So as you look at developing relationships with your coordinators, regardless of the sport, you know, Jeff reminded us that you know there are those crisis moments that, yeah, we need to be responding right away. When there's been a rules issue, when we've dealt with something at the end of the game that's high excitement, that's high intensity, um, you know, when we've dealt with a, a, a head coach specifically in some kind of way, that, that communication with that coordinator needs to happen. We need to be practicing communication with our coordinators, you know, in those more down times. Again, not in an annoying kind of way, not in a will you give me games kind of way, right. not in a why didn't you give me games kind of way that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. But in just those ways to communicate as people mm-hmm. so that that way, when those crisis moments come, we're more comfortable reaching out to that person. We need to do that. And then we need to look at how we can be officials that say yes. Yep. And if we're working for an assigner, that means we want to work for somebody that we can say yes to. And uh, I think yes is something that is uncommon in this day and age. I think yes, but happens a lot. <laughs> that's a that's you very know? well said, yes. But yes, just that yes, that simple yes is something that's uncommon. And it, I think if you implement that, it's going to help you have an uncommon drive towards success. Yeah, I mean, it's no different than, you know, I, I can remember when I got my first part-time job at, you know, at the Subway sandwich shop. And they said, when are you available? And I said, whatever, these hours or whatever it is. And then when they called me on a day that I wasn't scheduled to work and I said, yes, 
guess what the first phone call was the next time mm-hmm. and the next time i remember this story just just came back to my head i was eating at it was a moe's barbecue and i was eating there and this place had just opened up and the manager was doing some interviews in the booth next to mine and i was just kind of listening eating my food just enjoying the atmosphere and i heard they talked for like just briefly if, if two minutes that was it just what's your name where do you live? Things like that. The first question she asked this kid is, what's your availability like? And he said, I'm open for whatever. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm out of school or whatever it is. The interview was over, and it was, let's go back to the back, get your uniform, your name tag, your hat. I'm going to get you signed in. We're going to get all the HR forms filled out. It was over. It was done mm-hmm. because this kid said, I have availability, and that's what they wanted. Sure. That's what they needed. They're hope they're hoping they could train anybody. If you have the availability, they'll train you sure. into the job that you're supposed to be doing. So I know you're getting ready to shut it down, but I want to read this quote. Go ahead. Because I uh you know, I typically believe it or not, I do read. <laughs> I read and I listen. So maybe this is a quote that I heard and I wrote it down. So um take this with you throughout your week to be great. Pursuit brings now I'm sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> Pursuit brings knowledge. Practice makes you above average, and passion makes you stand out. Yeah. So, and that can definitely be applied to the way that we communicate, both in game, out of game, with coaches, with partners, with players, mm-hmm. and with our coordinators. Yep. Folks, have a great week, and uh, looking forward to the opportunity to share with you again as we have that uncommon drive towards success. Talk See to y'all you later. Soon. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.